So today's message is a prophetic message about God's revival army. He is building his revival army right now. The end time revival army. We are not supposed to be churchgoers, mere just Christians, but warriors in God's army. Paul talks about how you are a good soldier, Timothy. He gives him the name, his disciple. Can, is there any way we can fix the microphone? Hallelujah. So we are soldiers in Christ. As Paul speaks, this is, a, this is the title he gives, is the way he describes his disciple, soldier. He, 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 he says to Timothy, you should, you should endure persecution with me like a good soldier in Christ. Be strong, be tough, be a soldier, be a warrior. This is, this is our identity, part of our identity is warriors of Christ. Um, it says, it also, he also says, fight the good fight of faith. So we need to start seeing ourselves as warriors in an army. And for, for revi revival that's taking place, we are destroying the works of the devil. We are not just singing, singing and preaching powerless songs and, and preaching powerless words Sunday after Sunday, not destroying the devil's works, simply preaching about Jesus, but not preaching with power and not actually destroying the devil's kingdom. Because that's, do you know that's different? That's very different. That you, We can preach about God, we can worship God, but when there's no power, no anointing, demons literally stay. This is why so much of the body of Christ is in the condition it is today, where so many people are oppressed by demons. Why so many people have addiction, anxiety, depression, panic attacks, mental illnesses, infirmities. This is the simple reason. The devil's works are not being destroyed by and large. It is, it is the church's job it is a church's job to destroy the works of the devil because Jesus says, you cast out demons. I've given you power and authority. You go do it. You cast out the demons. If you don't do it, my people stay oppressed. So there's a difference between going to a powerless church and hearing the preaching and worshiping Jesus, but no power. Demons get to stay. Devil's works not being destroyed. There's a difference between that and revival. The church where the power of God is moving, where the anointing is there to destroy the yoke. There, the devil's works are being destroyed. There, it is war. It is not war the other way. Devil's laughing. Devil's having victory over people's lives. They're staying in bondage. But it is war when it is God's revival army. It is devil, you have to leave. You can't stay. I am a warrior in God's kingdom and I'm going to work in the spiritual realm and I am using my authority, I am casting you out, war, and I have the victory through Christ. That's how it's supposed to be. This is how it is in this revival. We are in war and we are victorious. But we are not, we are not lazy Christians sitting on the sidelines. But we are going to battle and we are defeating the devil.
that being said, you have to be cut out to be a warrior. You have to be okay with not being a lazy Christian. <laughs> but you have to step up to the challenge and realize what it means. You are going to war. You are messing with the devil's kingdom. You think, he, you think he's happy about that? He's not happy about that. It's war. You have the victory, but it's war. Suffer the faint of heart, but this is God's calling for your life. To rise up and be a warrior for Jesus. So I'm going to teach today what being in this part of what being in this revival army is like so you can know, so you can be prepared, so you can stand strong in God's revival army. Because every one of you who are here today and are watching online, you are called to be in God's revival army. Many are called, few are chosen. It's up to you to be chosen. Meaning it's up to you. Many are called, meaning God is calling you. I want you in my army, my revival army. I want to use you in my anointing. He's calling every one of you, but it's up to you to choose. It's up to you simply to say yes. It's up to you to say yes to all that that entails. It's up to you to say yes, which means denying yourself and surrendering everything to God. It's up to you to be chosen. I'm telling you, every one of you is called to be leaders in God's revival army. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And God keeps proving himself again and again, just like he did in South Africa, that this is just the beginning. We haven't seen anything yet. This is just the beginning. We will look back and be like, remember when we were a couple hundred people in the park? We will look back and say, whoa, it was nothing like what we've seen now. The best is yet to come. We're going glory to glory, and this is just the beginning. So I, I'm, I'm sh I, I, I say this many times, but it's very important. I remind you of this, of how special you are to be called first, first in God's revival army. Like the first disciples, you're called first. You're called to be on the front lines. You're called to be leaders. To stand up and say, yes, Lord, I'll be in your army so that other people can follow. So that we can become this mass army of millions of people. Hallelujah. This revival army, number one is a new army that God is building. A new army. When Jesus called the disciples, the original 12, this was Jesus building a new army. You know, Jesus was preaching in the synagogues. Jesus was knew the people of God in that day, which were the Jewish people, but he knew the people of God in that day. Since he was a child, he was in the temples. His whole life, he was surrounded by these people of God, these elite people of God, these people that were worshiping God all the time and were always in the church or the synagogue and knew the scriptures really well, meditated on them day and night, followed all the commands. He was surrounded by all these people 
for 30 years, nonstop, even as a child, he really knew these people well. His parents couldn't find him, remember? He was in the synagogue with other people of God. He was surrounded. It's not like Jesus just came on the scene age 30 into the things of God, <laughs> you know? But what does Jesus do? It's amazing, it's fascinating. When it is time for him to build his revival army, to call his disciples, he calls these random people that he didn't grow up with in the church, that didn't know the scriptures that well, that weren't the sons and daughters of the priests. It like doesn't make sense. But this is the way, the way in the spiritual realm, it doesn't make sense like in the physical realm, but in the spirit, we begin to see God's way, God's way of building his army, of calling his disciples. Jesus chose these new people who were just average people who weren't churched, who weren't religious. And the reason he chose them is because of this. They were not prideful. They were not know-it-alls. They had a teachable, moldable heart. They could be taught new things. Jesus was coming in a new way. He was presenting God, revealing God in a new way. And it was the true way. It was just different and new than what the others that he had grown up with, the religious people, knew. And Jesus knew full well that if he had come to them saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Son of God, this is the way of God, this is this new way that God has sent me to teach you how to enter the kingdom, how to be righteous, how to receive from God, receive healing and freedom. He, Jesus knew, he knew, he saw their hearts and he knew that they would not accept him. He knew that they, they could not be taught these things. He knew that if he were to call them as disciples, they would never stand. It would be no army built. It wouldn't be an army. It would just be Jesus, no army. He knew that. He knew they could never stand strong and carry what, God want, what Jesus wanted to put in them. So that when Jesus died and rose and ascended to heaven and poured out his spirit and then called the army, the disciples, to do the works he did, he knew that they would never be able to do it. It would just like end. It was very important what Jesus did with his, uh, the, you know, the calling of the, the people. Oh, it had to be right. Can you imagine? It would just end. <laughs> but Jesus knew what he was doing. He looked in those people's hearts. He looked in those disciples' hearts and he could see those hearts. He could see that they were pure, that they were humble, that they were childlike, that they were teachable. He could see that when he revealed himself, revealed his love to them, they would fall in love with him. And, and their spiritual eyes would open up and they would just simply receive. They would receive, they'd be able to receive from him his teachings, his anointing, the deeper things in the spirit. So that's why he chose them. So in the same way today, this is how, this is who Jesus is choosing. Just like back in those times, 
And this revival, it, it's, there's, it's so like parallel to when Jesus first came and chose his original disciples. Because when you look at the Acts church and the church today, by and large, it looks super different. Deliverance, casting out demons, healing of the sick, the anointing, baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is so rare, really, in the body of Christ today. When in the Acts church, that was the only church. That was how it was. It was the opposite of rare. Jesus' command, Jesus's command the Great Commission, preach that the kingdom of God is, is at hand. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Like this is God's big command. It's not like an after fact. It's not a minority, a small part of the work of God. This is what it's supposed to be like. Okay, so we, the body of Christ by and large, looks very, very different from the Acts church. So there, if you think about it, this really is such a parallel to when Jesus came on the scene. I mean, it was revival back then. God doing a new thing. It's revival now. God doing a new thing. So in this revival, God is building a fresh new army. Yes. Hallelujah. This army will be pure, childlike, humble, able to receive something new that God is doing, able to receive fresh revelation, rhema word of God. Not rejecting, being critical, being skeptical, being prideful, none of that. that those cannot be in this army. And it's important we realize that so that we can stay focused so we can stay focused, so we don't get distracted on trying to pull people that are Pharisee-like <laughs> and getting so disheartened and confused as to why they're not coming. Stay focused, don't get distracted on that. I know it will be surprising, it will be shocking. I bet it was surprising and shocking for Jesus too. It's shocking and surprising to read the word of God and to think how all of those people that Jesus grew up with in the synagogues, they would not come to him. And not only that, they rejected him. They, they crucified him. It's shocking. And it's shocking today. The ones that will attack the work of God will not be so much the atheists. But they will be the people of God. Um, so don't be distracted by that. And also be so open to who God is raising up in this time. And, uh, you know, it says in the word of God in uh, Romans 9.25. In Romans 9, what's happening is, is Paul is, he's very distraught because he's seen the, he's seen the Israelites. He's seen the God's people. And he's so distraught because he's seen how they are not being open to receiving from Jesus. And it's like breaking his heart because they should be first, you know, like, come on, you've been, <laughs> you're the descendants of Abraham. And so this whole chapter in nine is him just speaking to the people, trying to wake them up and his heart burning for them, being sad, it's like saddened. And it says in verse 25, Romans 9, 25, this is the Passion Translation. It says, Remember the prophecy God gave in Hosea 
To those who were rejected and not my people, I will say to them, you are mine. And to those who were unloved, I will say, you are my darling. And in the place where they were told you are nobody, this will be the very place where they will be named children of the living God. But this is the kind of thing we're going to see in this revival where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Where people maybe who weren't that church, people who maybe were living sinful lives, worldly lives, but they end up coming to showing up to fivefold church someday, just stumble upon a video and they get delivered. They get delivered from these worldly things that kept them from even stepping into church, you know? And they encounter God's love so powerfully. And they are completely saved, delivered, and transformed. And they, they don't have that pride stuff, the churchy pride stuff in them. All they know is that how good and faithful God is, how loving he is, and how powerful he was to deliver them. They were so lost. They knew nothing of God and God rescued them and saved them. And so their heart is tender and pure and beautiful. And they just don't have that pride, skeptical, critical stuff that many of the church people do. And so what happens? God chooses them. Just like those disciples that he chose. Like just like the tax collector being so worldly and sinful. God chooses them. This is what we are going to see in this revival. The people who are not so church that they know it all and are so prideful. God unable to use them. He chooses those who maybe were in the world not too long ago or have not been surren surrendered. But God saves them, delivers them, open their, opens their eyes and chooses them. Romans 9.30, it goes on to say a few verses later. So then what does all this mean? Here's the irony. The non-Jewish people who weren't even pursuing righteousness were the ones who seized it. A perfect righteousness that is transferred by faith. Yet Israel, even though pursuing a legal righteousness, did not attain to it. And why was that? Because they did not pursue the path of faith, but insisted on pursuing righteousness by works as if it could be seized another way. They were offended by the means of obtaining it and stumbled over the stumbling stone. Just as it is written, be careful, I am setting in Zion a stone that will cause people to stumble, a rock of offense that will make them fall. But believers in him will not experience shame. So here's the irony, the non-Jewish people who weren't even pursuing righteousness were the ones who seized it. A perfect righteousness that is transferred by faith. But yet Israel, even though pursuing a legal righteousness, did not attain it. So this is how it will be today. There will be people doing all they think, the right Christian things. Reading the Bible all the time. Praying, fasting, preaching, doing works of God. But their heart is not humble inside. They're doing these things, but their, their heart is not humble. Their heart contains this, I know it all, 
and this is how it is. This is how, this is the right way to pray, the right way to fast, the right way to read the Bible, the right way to cast out demons, the right, this is the right way. I know how it's supposed to be. And you can see that they're that way because they're quick to judge a new revelation that comes. They don't see God releasing a new revelation as something beautiful as it is, but they immediately see it as that's not God. I know how it is. I know how it's supposed to be. Um, and we should, you should know that it's not only, it's not just many times you think of the people who will miss the revival and who are prideful and self-righteous. Many times you think that these people are the ones who just reject the power of God and healing and deliverance but are in the lukewarm churches. Yes, it's that, but this whole principle of not having a humble heart and being know-it-all can apply to whatever type of Christian you are, charismatic, lukewarm, believing in deliverance or not. And so there will be people who miss this revival, unfortunately, they believe in deliverance, they believe in healing, they're doing it themselves, and they're preaching revival. They can even be preaching that revival is now, but they are stuck in their way of church, of revival, of how to cast out demons, of how it should be, and not open to a new thing that God's doing because there's only like, there's only God's move. You can't, say this is God's move when it's not. God has his move that he's doing, amen. For example, right now, revival is now, and this is the end time revival. It's, it's the greatest revival that there has ever been because it's not a passing or fading revival. It's a lasting revival. And in this revival, God is not just anointing one person or two people or three people, but God is pouring out his anointing on all of his believers who are humble, childlike, surrendered, chosen by God. This is the difference. This is why it's the greatest revival of all time. Amen. It's, it's pure. It's not about a man or woman getting glory. It's pure. It's God getting the glory in this revival. Hallelujah. But in this revival, God has this specific move that he's doing. Like there have been past revivals and, 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 and they're kind of different in each time. Like Billy Graham, that was a revival specifically of evangelism, of evangelists, of, of salvation. But we don't hear many testimonies of healing, of deliverance, of miracles happening. That was a specific move of God at that time. We see other uh, revivals where um, it's the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what's really happening mostly, right? Or... or um, just, just we see different types of things happening in different revivals. But this revival, God is moving in a specific way. And in this revival, God is, it's not just like a move of the spirit, miracles happening, and that's it. And it, and it fades. But in this revival, God is restoring his Acts church. So all that we see happening in the Acts church will be restored because this is how God intended his church to be. It's how he intended his disciples to minister, to be a vessel of him.
that's the real way he intended it to be, not our made up ways, not our ways of evolving, <laughs> right? So he's restoring what we see in the Acts Church into the, into the body of Christ today in this revival. And that includes the fivefold ministry. As Ephesians 4.11, it says God poured out Jesus when he ascended to heaven. He poured out his spirit upon all of his people and he gave gifts to the church. And these gifts were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These gifts were to equip, to edify, to build up the believers so that they would not be immature Christians. They wouldn't be beat up by the devil, in other words, but they would be their eyes would be open in the spiritual realm because they're being equipped because there's real anointing feeding their spirit, opening their eyes, really helping them spiritually to be strong, to be victorious over the devil so that they can move from being um, beat up by the devil to now having victory over the devil in their own spiritual life. And then beyond that, to be a vessel of God to help others, to cast demons out of others, to heal others, to preach the true word of God, to help others. We need the fivefold ministry, um, and but it's been lost for a long time. The apostles and prophets have been rejected, have been lost for a long time. So God is restoring apostles and prophets in this revival. So this is why we have the name fivefold church. This is the name that God gave us because specifically in this revival, God is restoring his fivefold ministry. He's restoring apostles and prophets. And it's a, it's a key that's unlocking this revival. It's the obedience to God that what, is what unlocks the revival. Anointing just doesn't come any old way, but it comes out of obedience to God. When you've been obedient and faithful and you do things his way, there's a great reward where he releases his anointing and he moves mightily in ways that surpass your understanding. And so that's a secret of how this whole revival is even happening. It's because it wasn't revival my way. I prayed for revival. I remember Chantal and I were at the same Azusa Now conference in um, the Coliseum. It was filled with people praying for revival in LA. And it was like, I think a year and a half later that that word that my spiritual father prophesied, Prophet Jordavi, revival is now that he released that word. Okay, but I, I was praying for revival, and I, when I was praying for revival, I, wasn't, I, was, I was not picturing fivefold ministry apostles and prophets, you know, being such a big part of this revival. I was just praying for revival. And then this prophecy came to my life um, about a half a year after I was praying for revival there. And my spiritual father, Prophet Jordavi, he ended up saying, God is calling you to be an apostle. And you're called to reach the nations, and um, many miracles will happen. And and um, and 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 then and he revealed even before that that definitive prophetic word to everyone, he revealed to me that in this revival, God's restoring his revival ministry. In this revival, apostles and prophets, God is re restoring. He was speaking this prophetically. Um, so, but for me, I was just like, okay, Lord, you know, I wasn't like, yeah, that's what I was praying for. <laughs> I was just like, okay, okay. I didn't expect to be an apostle. At that time when I was called, I didn't know much about an apostle at all. I didn't know much about what an apostle was. But I was just like, okay, Lord, okay. <laughs> I just want your way. So this has just been from God. This has been the word from God. 
And in, and I know that if I was like cowardly and scared and nervous to call myself an apostle, because it was definitely uncomfortable. I didn't even feel like a pastor, let alone an apostle. And I'm a woman. You know, I remember it was so hard to change my name. I just shared with you last week to Apostle Catherine Crick on social media. It felt so weird, so uncomfortable. So if, but if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't gotten past myself and stepped out of my comfort zone, I, I know that we, we wouldn't be seen through my ministry, through my life here at this church. We wouldn't be seeing the anointing and the miracles and the move of God. It was through the, the obedience, you know, it was, it was following God, his revival, his way. So, you know, there will be just like in those times how Paul's saying, you guys are missing out. I don't want you to miss out. How are you missing out? There will be many people who are lukewarm Christians that will miss out, but there will also be people preaching revival. Revival's here. They'll be saying it their own way, and they will be, they will be casting out demons and healing the sick. They'll be talking these things, but they will not be obedient to God's way of revival, to God's specific move, and they will miss out even on the revival. And unfortunately, there will be people who are prideful who will even say, this isn't of God. Because God's moving in a new way, a different way. And they reject it just as the Pharisees do. So I share this for you to, to, for you to know, like God is building a new army. God is, is, is building this army with people you wouldn't expect. And you will be shocked at people who miss this revival. You will be shocked at people who talk against the move of God. Because there were people that were preaching deliverance and healing and revival. I speak this so you won't be confused, so you won't be distracted, but you will stay focused. And you will know that God is building a new army. God wants the humble hearts who are pure, who are childlike. Leave the rest. It's okay. We want an army of pure hearts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So stay focused and welcome the people, the sinners. Welcome them into the kingdom with open arms. Welcome those Pauls who those Sauls who became Pauls, who were killing people. Welcome them and see them with God's eyes, wanting to use people whom no one would ever expect, wanting to use people with horrible pasts, not these super righteous people, prideful Christians all their lives. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, I, I mentioned like, so there will be some people that will see this is God. This is really Jesus. This is really revival. This is his move. And there will be some people who miss it and who reject it and who speak against it. The difference is that they're the ones who accept it have spiritual eyes opened. The ones who reject it have spiritual eyes shut. Jesus, when the disciples came back from casting out demons, when he sent them out for the first time, they came back. They were all excited. They said, Jesus, wow, demons even obeyed us. And, and one of the first things that Jesus does, he first says, I gave you authority over them. That's why I gave this authority. I gave this anointing to you. They have to obey this anointing and authority that's in you. Second thing he does is he immediately praises God. Matthew eleven twenty five. This is Passion Translation. Jesus exclaimed, "Father, thank you for you are Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth, and you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Instead, you have shared it with these who humble themselves." 
Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart as you've chosen this way to extend your kingdom by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. Another, another translation says you have hidden these things. This translation says you have hidden the great revelation of your authority. So this is the meaning of what he's speaking of, these things, the deeper things of the spiritual realm. Revelation, revelation of God's kingdom, revelation of the anointing of authority in the kingdom, revelation of how to walk in that anointing, of how to walk in that authority, the deeper spiritual things. Jesus literally says that the Father hides them and he only reveals it to those who are humble and childlike. So the ones that accept the move of God are the ones who are humble and childlike so that God can open their eyes and show them and reveal it to them, this is me. And the ones that reject it, that miss it, are those who are prideful, their eyes are shut, they cannot see it. So it's important we know this so that we are not so confused because it, it is really shocking, you know, that whenever a revival comes, it's like this shaking that's happening. There's conflict, you know, it, it, and Jesus says like, I've come to divide family members. He speaks about in the Bible. There, I mean, he's come to divide church family members, you know, like church, Christian family and friends that you've been with your whole life, butting heads because some are prideful, some are humble. Some, are, some have eyes shut completely, others have eyes opened. By dividing, I mean, let it go, be obedient to God, don't let them distract you, don't let them pull you from God's will, don't let your heart be super disheartened, but just stay focused on what God has called you to and be excited and open for those true family and friends in the Lord that he's going to bring to you, that he's gonna bring to come alongside you, who will bring you more joy and peace than you could have imagined. Why? Because they're godly. There is no sweeter gift in this world that God gives than true godly family and friends. It's the greatest blessing for someone to have spiritual eyes so that they love Jesus so much and therefore they're surrendered, they've been transformed by God so that they love you like Jesus. You have someone with the hands and feet of Jesus loving you? Wow, because we're vessels of God. So stop being so grieved. We're not called to be everybody's friend all our lives, seasonal friends. Stop being grieved over the prideful ones that are actually hurting you and are not, they're not like Jesus. They're not loving you well. God has people who he wants to bring to you that will love you so well. That's going to bring you more peace and more joy and also help you, iron sharpens iron, help you to become more like Jesus and fulfill your purpose on this earth. So let it go and get ready for God's blessings of true family in the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes.
So number one, this is a new army that God is building. Number two, this army will be spiritual. It will be a spiritual people. No carnal Christians here. We are spiritual. Our eyes are open up. We're able to be transformed in God's image because our eyes are open up and we're surrendered. Hallelujah. We can remain in God's will. We can hear his voice. We won't, the devil has no power over us. We have victory every day because we're spiritual, because our eyes are opened. In, in Matthew 16, Jesus, he's saying to his disciples, he's saying, who do you say that I am? Um, who, do, who do you say that the son of man is? And the disciples were replying, well, some say John the Baptist. Others are saying you're Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. But what about you? I know what other people are saying, but who do you say that I am? He's testing them. He's testing their spiritual eyesight, which is also testing their hearts, testing their humility. And um, Simon Peter steps up. He's like, I know. I'll answer this. I know. <laughs> he says, Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, for the son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So look at, look at this moment. It's really powerful. Jesus is testing the disciples, testing their spiritual eyes, which is testing their humility. And so this really reveals like why Peter was chosen. Peter's eyes are open even more. Peter's humility was even more. And so he, he gives this test and then Peter passes that test and it's like, it reveals like why he's chosen to be the rock, why he's chosen to be the one that receives the keys of the kingdom. And then of course, Peter would be passing the keys on to everyone else teaching, you know, but it's like, he was given that authority, you know, kind of just like here, like, how God, how I, I carry anointing and keys, but I'm releasing it. So I release it through ministering, through the keys to unlock people from, from demons, but through teaching and through impartation to you, these keys are passed to you. The anointing's passed to you. The same keys, the same anointing is passed to you. Amen? So it's God works in this way of order and authority and kingdom, government. So that's why it's like, because Jesus could have said, here, disciples, all 12 of you, keys, 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 keys. But he specifically chooses Peter. Here's the keys. I can trust you with them to release them to the others. Amen? So only the spiritual will be able to come and receive the keys of the kingdom. So number three, this army, in this army, this army will be a strong army. Strong warriors here. Strong, not weak, not wimpy, not lazy, but strong, strong in the spirit. Strong in the spirit. 
we learn a lot from the Acts Church. A lot of these scriptures today are from the Acts because this is where we're learning from. The Acts Church, it's our example. Let's look at the church. Let's look at the army of God in the Acts Church, okay? Acts 4, verse 23. There was persecution in the Acts Church. Do you all know that? Devil was not happy. Therefore, there was persecution. Devil was, was sending people to attack the servants of God, the church. So one of the times of this persecution is that Peter and John were put in prison for doing the work of God, for healing the sick, for speaking about Jesus. They were placed in prison and um, they end up being able to be released from prison. And, but they were, they were, they were, they, they shared with them, well, we can't, basically they're like, well, we, we, we feel like we can't hold you on anything really. So we'll let you go, but don't speak the name of Jesus. Don't speak the name of Jesus, they said. So on Acts 4.23, the Bible says that on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, to the believers, to the army, the revival army, the church. And they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, so the Bible says that the revival army, the Acts Church, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We got to learn from these, these believers, from these warriors. They're, they have a powerful faith, and they were strong. You know, they, they didn't have any example besides... Thank God they did, and they're, they're actually speaking of the, the, the examples, the people of faith before them. They had that example, but they didn't have examples yet of what it looked like to be disciples of Jesus. They didn't have that example. They were the first ones. Look at their faith, though. They believed in God. They knew they needed to keep going. They, they knew they needed to stand strong in their faith and be bold and not cower to the persecution, to the attacks. We need to learn from them today. We have their example today. We have no excuse to not be strong. Listen, you think the devil is happy about what God is doing here at this place. You think he's going to sit by? Oh, yeah, I'll let them be, have their church. It would be very, we should be concerned if we don't see attacks of the enemy. <laughs> I mean, we need to wake up. You are not, you coming here, you're not in a lukewarm church anymore where the devil doesn't bother because there's no threat. In this place, we destroy the devil's kingdom. We destroy his works. We go to war and we have victory. So at this place, the devil hates us. At this place, the devil will attack, but we will have victory. But he will attack. 
And I've seen this all from the from the beginnings of when God called me to start the church and it shocked me, but actually encouraged me <laughs> to see these attacks. I was like, this is crazy. This makes no sense, but wow, the anointing's here. Hallelujah. The prophecies over my life and our ministry and revival are, must be true because these attacks were crazy. I've been a Christian my whole life. Didn't really have persecution at all because I wasn't walking in the power of God until this point recently. But I mean, we're talking about the first year that we had church. We had about 20 people there. And all of a sudden, these lies were swirling, these rumors, these false accusations were just made up out of nowhere, began swirling around, and people believed them, and about half of our church left. There was 20 of us or so, and then we were down to about 10. Didn't end there. These people who created these, these, these lies, they, they somehow found my parents phone number in the phone book or something called them and tried and spoke these lies to them hoping that my parents would not support me and would discourage me these people called the place we were in a building at the time they called the place that was renting to us and they they spoke completely different lies that were different lies from the other lies that were swirling around lies about us to try to get them to stop renting to us Praise God, the person renting to us, we had favor. And the person could like see like my heart, our hearts, and they could see this can't be true, you know, and realize that these people were lying. And so they kept renting to us. The work of God was not stopped. God protected us. Amen. But it was these types of attacks where I was like, what? Like I, I had never had anyone just like make up random lies about me, you know? And so I could see whoa hallelujah the anointing must be here i'm encouraged hallelujah so it, it started all the way back in the beginning the first year these these attacks of the devil specifically to try to stop the work of god or to try to discourage people to try to um stifle the fire the the zeal it began all the way back then and then of course, as this, when the revival increases, of course the devil gets more and more angry, right? Just like what, that's what happened with Jesus. As the revival was increasing through Jesus, things heated up. Those Pharisees could not take it anymore. They united, they banded together to speak lies, accus false accusations about them, and then, and, and then crucifying him. So um, I've seen, and many of you know, many of you have seen all sorts of attacks specifically to try to stop the work of God here. And I remember um, when we were back at, we used to be at Pan Pacific Park in that amphitheater. That's where we started. And all of a sudden there was just such an attack that came out of nowhere where um, just like the person who was renting to us just didn't want us there anymore, just with no explanation kind of thing. And we were supposed to, um, we would always have permits and out of nowhere they were like we don't want to give you a permit next week no reason no explanation and I was like but we have to have church I've told everyone we're meeting there and so we had no option but so we just went anyways there was no reason to not I mean there was, he didn't even give us a reason that we shouldn't have a permit you know so I was like well we're just gonna go anyways this person ended up calling the cops we just kept on going. The work of God did not stop. So many people were set free. Hallelujah. 
And then we move from Elysian Park to there. So sometimes what happens is like the devil will attack and sometimes God will use it. He will allow it because he wants to move you somewhere. That's sometimes, he will allow it to strengthen your faith, to refine you. And also he wants to move you. <laughs> so it's like, it's like the devil wants to shut the door, but God wants to shut it too to move you to something higher. Do you see what I mean? Like the devil's not very smart. <laughs> the devil thinks like, yeah, I'm getting them. Nah, -uh. this is just pushing us higher. Because, hallelujah. Because with, with every battle of the devil that you are victorious over by standing strong in your faith and not giving up, God lifts you. There's reward. So every time the devil attacks someone with strong faith, he's stupid. He's really being silly and stupid. He's just like hoping so much. He sees the strong faith. He's just like, oh, I gotta try anyways. I'm just gonna, uh, you know? It's like what happened with Job. He thought he could get Job, but God lifted Job so much higher, you know? So anyways, um, that's an example. So then we ended up moving to Griffith Park. We were at Griffith Park for a while. And then a similar thing started happening where just, it was just like enemy came to attack and God used it to shift us to Elysian Park where we've been. Amen. Um, but I want to share with you, like, we, we, need, we need to know Revival Army. Devil is not happy about what God's doing here. We need to be aware of that. And we need to stand strong. We need to be spiritual and know that if we, like we, if we have to shift to different parks or something, it's spiritual. There's things going on. Devil doesn't want us here. He doesn't, he doesn't want us here. So we need to be spiritual and know like, oh, I see. Devil's mad. Hallelujah. We're going higher. And stand strong rather than be like, oh, I just want to be at the same place. You know, instead of being that way, we need to be spiritual. Like, we are an army. We go where God sends us. Devil, devil can attack. Doesn't matter. We stand strong. We don't cower down. We don't get wimpy. But we stand strong and we press forward. That's how we need to be. But, like, you see how this example I gave you in the Bible about how, the, imagine if I came back and I was like, I came back and I told you and I was like, guys, they could arrest me and maybe all of you if I speak the name of Jesus here. Like what some of you some some people would say, like, well, I'm gonna stay home till things calm down. Not us, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what I like to hear. That's not gonna happen, but I'm just giving you that example. Like Peter and John literally said, so this is what happened. They released us, but they said that we can't speak the name of Jesus. So that the truth was, was that if they spoke the name of Jesus, they said that they were going to arrest them, like all of them. So the, the believers, they didn't, the, the, the army, the revival army, the church, they weren't like, okay, that's scary. Um, I have a family. I can't be arrested. You know, they weren't like, okay, let's try to find a way where we can continue the work of God, but be like quieter somehow, like maybe be more underground. That wasn't their response. Their response was strong and full of faith and boldness. 
they just immediately start going in the spirit, spirit, in the spiritual realm and start praying and start saying, Lord, we believe that you will be with us just as you were with, with the people in the past, the people of faith. You stood strong with them. You will be with us. You will give us boldness. You will give us faith. We will have victory. You will defeat our enemies for us. We, we believe in the Lord and we pray and we declare. And, and that, that was their response. Their response was full of faith, full of strength, full of boldness. And wow, there was even reward for their strength. There was reward. It says that after they prayed in unity like this, it says, um, it says, it says after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is exciting to be strong, to stand strong in your faith. This is exciting. This invites the Holy Spirit to clothe you with his power to increase anointing in you. That's exciting. That's the reward. God rewards. He sees you. And he rewards you when you're obedient. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we need to be strong. Whatever comes our way, whatever comes our way, we need to realize we are an army. We are the revival army. We don't want to let God down. We don't want to let a fire decrease, but we want to stand strong and united with our brothers and sisters, the warriors of God in this revival army. We're not going to miss a Sunday. We're going to go here, there, and everywhere, wherever God sends us, if that's the case. We're going to be here, rain or shine. We're going to get out of our comfort zones. We're not going to be wimpy Los Angeles people who can only come out when it's 70 and sunny. But in the winter, when it gets a little chillier, and even if it rains, we're going to be there. We're going to be there early. We'll just dress for it. And we're going to praise God with all our hearts. We're going to keep this fire alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to be strong. So you got to know who you are. You got to shift your mindset because some of you have been in lukewarm church and that's not, you're not there to be strong. You're there to be just go through the motions in the comfy church. You got to shift your, your mindset to who you are. You're a warrior and you got to be strong. The devil's not happy about what you're a part of. God's revival army. You got to stay strong when he comes. You got to be aware. Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. God allowed that attack. And after that attack, the ministry began. So it was this uh, like battle that, that Jesus had victory over and there was this lifting and then the revival was breaking out after that. But the Bible says that after, after Satan tested him, it said, the Bible says that Satan left him for a time. For a time. So we gotta be aware. You know, there'll be times where it's like, oh, comfy here at church. How would we know? But then there can be a time when the devil attacks. We got to be aware of what's going on. Oh, this is what's happening. This is time for me to stand strong and, and stay in the spirit. Be bold and strong of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We got to be prepared because this revival is increasing and increasing and the devil gets even angrier <laughs> the more it increases. So it's time we get ready and prepare now to walk in victory every time. To stand, you got to be walking in victory, you got to show up to battle. You got to be strong and then you will have victory. Hallelujah. All right, so we are a new army. We are a spiritual army. We are a strong army. And we must be a hungry army. We got to stay hungry. We got to keep the fire alive. In Acts 17, 10, this is the Passion Translation as well. And it, it says here that the believers sent Paul and Silas off to the city of Berea, where they once again went into the synagogue. They found that the Jews of Berea were of more noble character and much more open-minded than those of Thessalonica. They were hungry to learn and eagerly received the word. Every day they opened the scrolls of scripture to search and examine them. So they were hungry to learn and eagerly receive the word. So look at this, this is powerful. This show, Paul and Silas went to the city of Berea and the people in that city were more open-minded, were of more noble character, and were hungry to learn and eagerly receive the word. Whereas the Jews of, whereas the, sorry, whereas the people of Thessalonica were not that way. So, so it is just like in the times of Jesus where Jesus couldn't do miracles in his hometown because of lack of faith, lack of hunger. We need to be people like the people of Berea, hungry, open-minded, eager to learn, studying the word of God, keeping that fire. Because we are a revival army that's, that's mandate is to grow. For this revival army to grow, we gotta stay hungry. We gotta keep the fire alive. So we need to be coming with this revelation. Don't miss a Sunday if that's possible. Like don't miss, come early if that's possible. Meditate throughout your week what God has called you to. Your life is different now. You are chosen. You're a warrior of God in his revival army. God has called you to something so big. You are anointed. You are changing the world. You are a world changer. So renew your mind. Meditate on this truth so it doesn't get lost. This is how you fan the flame inside of you. So we should always be coming here. It should never be me. I should never feel like I have to wake you up. I'll be honest, sometimes I see during worship. I should never have to wake you up. Why? Because you are the chosen revival army. You, you, you have everything you need to keep the fire alive. You don't, you don't need, you don't need someone to ignite you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the gifts imparted to you. The Bible says don't neglect the spiritual gift that's been imparted to you by the laying on of hands of the elders. Fan that into flame. You come in here, you, you have the fire. You have the anointing. Remember I tell you, it is not 
about feelings. So you choose to be on fire. You choose to be hungry. You choose to be full of faith. You choose to worship God in spirit and in truth with all your strength. You choose to come early. You choose to be on the edge of your seat. You choose to write notes and and study the, the, the word of God. You choose. You have it in you. I'm calling you to something higher now. God's calling you. Let's be this on fire, hungry revival army. Many times, you know, many times, like you will see hunger be more when they, like let's say in South Africa, for example, so many people, they've, they've testified, they've been planted a fivefold church. They've been watching the videos for like a year now. They've been praying to God that they could have a revival is now event there and encounter the anointing in person. Right? So their hunger has been stewing and brewing for a year. And so it's true, the greater the hunger, the greater God moves. So many times, many times when someone, when there's like a people group like that, that have been stewing on that hunger, they haven't had it ever all the time. The hunger's more and God does even more. But I want to share with you, it doesn't have to be that way. Where only people who have been waiting and waiting they they are more hungry you can be just as hungry right now and every week and every day if you choose it's up to you we are called to be a on fire hungry for the lord church here where people would travel we have someone from malaysia today where they would they would come here and they would be in awe of the of the people here that it's like the axe church has come alive the way they see the fire the hunger the love for jesus and the boldness in the people this is what god's calling us to i told you leaders in god's revival army leaders maybe you see me and i seem so excited about god on fire you know but all of you can be like this it's not my feelings. Yes, the more we're in the spirit and we're transformed, it, it translates to our feelings completely, yes. But it doesn't mean you feel that way every day. Especially with my schedule coming back all, after these crazy flights and all that. Definitely, I'd sometimes like, it would be nice to rest instead, you know? But it does translate to your feelings the more you're in the spirit. But it doesn't matter about the feelings. You go in the spirit. You choose to be on fire. You choose to speak the truth of God. You choose to meditate so that your mind is renewed and transformed in the truth. So you're walking in the fire of the Lord. You're walking in that truth that God is good. That, that we are, we're excited about Jesus. We are light. We are bright lights. Hallelujah. I remember looking at preachers before that were so on fire and being like, disqualifying myself disqualifying myself no one ever was like you should be a preacher but one of the reasons why i never thought i could be a preacher is because i saw how preachers were so on fire and i was like that's not me i share with that i share that with you for you to know that you if you see me as like being on fire or whatever you can be that way too you have the same holy spirit in you as me this anointing the which brings fire is in you fan it into flame go in the spirit 
surrender your life and take up your cross and deny your flesh and put God first. God's calling you, everybody, to be flaming for him all the time. Hallelujah. We are going to, this revival army is going to be like God's all-consuming fire. It, it's shining so bright, attracting people from all over the world, making people to come join. Are you ready to be on fire, hungry, always, blazing bright? Hallelujah.